Welcome to the Victory Life Church Podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. We're going to venture on a little bit of a journey in the next six weeks. How many of you have any role models? You've got role models. You've got some, I guess we can't say idols in church, but we got some people that we look to, you know, that we want to be like. And, you know, what if I told you that this book right here had a bunch of idols? And when I say idols, I mean, I mean godly examples. Let me rephrase that, okay? I don't want to say idols. But what if there was a bunch of great examples in Scripture? What if I told you that this book right here contained one particular individual that would be one of God's greatest men. In fact, it would take over four major Old Testament books to talk about this one particular character. He would be mentioned more than any other character in Scripture. I don't know if you know who I'm talking about yet. If you know, don't say anything. He was chosen amongst his brothers, and he was the youngest. He was the unlikely candidate. He, uh, he, um, would one day go on to not only slay a giant, I may have just given it away. <laughs> he, would, uh, he would write many of the Psalms, not all of the Psalms, if you didn't know, he didn't write them all. He would go on to lead an entire nation of Israel, but I think his greatest title was he was a man after God's own heart. He had, he had a lot of triumphs, but he had a lot of failures. He was strong in the battlefield, but he was weak at home. Some of you are like, are you talking about me? No, we're not talking about you today. We're talking about a, a character in the Bible who was full of passion, full of, full of destiny. And what I want to do is look at this particular character and ask the question, God, what is it that you want to show us? How can we apply what this individual has done to live the life that you have called us to live, to live the life that you have intended us to live? And that man would be the name David. Where does David come into the Bible? I know you know who David is. I mean, you, you watch the movies. You, you've read all the books. You've learned in Sunday school. I mean, David is my favorite character in the Bible. I thought he was pretty cool. In fact, my favorite book in the Bible is 1 Samuel. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to 1 Samuel and read today my favorite book in the Bible. We're going to read a portion. But I want you to know that, you know, amongst all the things that David had, there was one thing that he needed the most. There was one thing that we could say was the only thing that he, made, that he needed. And that was he was called and anointed by God. I was 17 years old and I was in Cahutta Springs, Georgia. And I was in a, in, a, in a camp similar to what our students went to. And here I was worshiping. I was probably a little bit more concerned about other things or particular individuals who were sitting next to me or, or how high, high my hands were raised because I was a little concerned about that. And it was then in that moment where God's, God clearly put a call on my life. At 17 years old, it was like I, I thought I knew what I wanted to do. I thought I had dreams. I thought I had plans. But at 17 years old, at that moment in Cahutta Springs, Georgia, God put place to call on my life. And I surrendered that call. And I said, God, I'll do anything and everything you need, you, you're asking me. I'll give you my life. At that moment, at 17 years old, I knew that God had placed something on my life. Now, since then, it's been a journey. Since then, I've learned to submit. Since then, I've struggled to submit. Since then, I have not submitted. It's just a, it's a whole sanctifying process, amen? But I am learning. I'm on, I'm on a journey, and I often question why God would have chosen me. 
I don't know if you ever question that. God, why, why would you look down upon me, a broken, hurting, messed up individual, and call me? Have you ever thought that? That's kind of humbling, isn't it? But yet he did, and, and here I am today trying to figure it out. But there's one thing I can hold fast to. There's one thing that I can stand firm on. And here's the title of this morning's message. If you're taking any notes, a call from God is all that you need. A call from God is all that you need. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your, for your message. Thank you for your word. Would you speak to us in Jesus' name? Everybody said, amen. T- turn the person next to you and tell them, I'm called. Come on, I am. I am called. Now, I, wa- I want to... Uh, I want to kind of set the table a little bit because we're going to journey on, on this uh, for the next six weeks and we're going to hit some of the key moments of the life of David. And the question we're asking, you know, here our mission is we're, we're here to live God's way. And I wonder if there's something that we can learn in the life of David that could help us live God's way a little bit better. But I want to clarify something because, um, you know, when we read about David and we read that he's not only called to be a king, but we're going to find out that he is anointed to be a king. I want us to just sit on that word for a second, anointing. You know, in the Bible, the word anointing is used a couple different times with a couple different meanings. And in the Bible, the word simply means to pour, to spread, or to rub oil onto something or someone. And so what we read and we're going to read here in chapter 16 is David is anointed by Samuel to be the king. This is what we would look at as, as, a, as a ritual anointing. David was anointed for a specific assignment, for a specific task, for a specific purpose. David was anointed for kingship. And then we find something like uh, physical anointings for healing. We read that in the New Testament. You know, bring the sick to the, to the church, let the elders lay hands and anoint oil on them so they could be healed. And we read that throughout Scripture, and we maybe see that today in church. But I want us to be careful and cautious of that because we've been so consumed with our rituals that we have forgotten the actual thing that is healing. And it isn't the oil, but it is Jesus. Amen. But then there's a, there's a spiritual anointing that takes place. There is an anointing that we also have. You see, David's anointing was for kingship. But we as believers also carry an anointing, but not to be kings, but to walk in a better understanding of what God has called us to do. In fact, if you are a believer here today, the anointing is the property of every person who believes. Remember, in the Old Testament, when we find people and kings being anointed or prophets being anointed or people who are called to lead are anointed, they were anointed. And what was happening, and you're going to read here, that there was an empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So the anointing in the Old Testament was one that when you were anointed, it was on that day that the Spirit of the Lord came upon you in power. Now, thank God that we no longer need that type of anointing to receive the Holy Spirit because when you are born and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God comes upon you at the moment of salvation. Amen? At the moment where you are said, God, you are my Savior, and I am a sinner, and I receive you, that anointing abides in you. Come on, say, the anointing abides in me. The anointing abides in me. In 1 John 2.20, it says, you have an anointing from the Holy One. This is, this is John speaking to the believers. And all of you know the truth. 2 Corinthians 1.21 says he's anointed you and he has set a seal of ownership on you. And so we may hear this all the time, and that, that person, that person is anointed. 
Oh, that individual is anointed. No, I think what we see is somebody who is actually submitting greater to that anointing than other people. They're, they're walking in it. So that's the question that I want to ask today is are, are you walking in it? If you are a believer today, you have been assigned, you have been, you have been given purpose, and you have that anointing. But, but are you walking in the anointing? Are you submitting to what God has called you to do? Or, or do you find yourself doing other things, being in other places because you think that God has called you to do something? You're in this battle of spirit and flesh. Because when somebody is walking in the anointing, when somebody is more submissive to the anointing, it's noticeable, right? You, you, you can almost smell it. You, you could almost sense it. There's just, there's just something different about somebody who has the anointing on their life and they're submitting to it. There, there, is a, there, there is a difference there because it's that anointing that makes the difference. Would you agree? It's that we as believers, there is a difference about us than anybody else in the world. There is something in us. There's a difference between somebody who sings and somebody who is an anointed singer. There's a difference between just a speaker and an anointed speaker. There is a difference when somebody has submitted to that anointing because it's not even just in the church, but it's in the marketplace. I'm more effective because of the anointing that God has put on my life. I'm more successful because of the anointing that God has put on my life. Not because of anything else. Not because of what I can do. Not because of what I can say. And, and this is where we have a challenge. We have to differentiate what giftings are and what an anointing is. Because a lot of people operate merely on, just in their giftings. And they have forgotten about the anointing that God has placed in their life. And you see a lot of people who are gifted at doing things. And giftings can stir up a crowd. Giftings can entertain some people. But it's the anointing that's going to change everything. It's the anointing that's going to break bondages. It's that, that anointing is what makes the difference. Not by what I can do, not by what I can bring to the table. Because David, what was he given? Everything and anything to defeat Goliath. We're already talking about Goliath. We're not even there. It's two weeks from today. But there is something about you, what you carry, and it isn't anything that you can bring to the table. It isn't any giftings that you can bring. God, look what I can do. God said, I don't really care about what you can do. I'm more concerned about what's in you. And so David, what did he have? He only had a sling and a couple stones. And that, that stone would defeat a, defeat a Goliath? No, but the God who was in David could use anything and anything that he touched to defeat a Goliath. So it wasn't the gifting that David brought forth. And you're going to see how our giftings are important and that those are necessary. And God does, by the Holy Spirit, give you gifts. But there is a greater thing inside of us that is way more effective than anything we can do. And it's what God has put in you the moment when you believed. There's a difference with the anointing. There's a, how many believe that there's a, there's a spiritual battle that we are fighting? A battle that isn't flesh and blood, but a battle that is the principalities of this world. And so we're, we're going to be a church that is going to be less focused on our giftings and more focused on that anointing. Amen? Ephesians 2 verse 8, 10 says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And it is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. How many are thankful that God has prepared in advance for things for you to do, for things for you to walk in? You don't, you don't just got to sit here and say, God, I'm just clueless. Do you have nothing for me, God? Oh, God has something for you. 
In fact, God has a call on your life. God has set you apart. God has declared you holy. There is something inside of you that is supposed to shine brighter than any spotlight that is on you. And I think if we get so caught up in our giftings, we're going to be consumed with the spotlight. And that spotlight is dangerous. That spotlight will definitely give you uh, some excitement, but it will also destroy you. And so when I can focus on the light that is in me, not the light that is shining on me, man, I'm going to be walking in what God has called me to do. And so that, that's, what, that's what I want to focus on. There, there, was a, there was an anointing on David's life. But can I tell you where, where, where it kind of started? With a guy named Moses. Moses was anointed and called to lead the nation of Israel. Remember, Moses didn't want to do it, but God called him to do it. And then after Moses was a guy by the name of Joshua. And after Joshua, there was nobody. There was no successor. And the people... Uh, turned to the idols of the land, and God would raise up various prophets who would be the voice of the Lord to speak. There was one by the name of Samuel. But Samuel was only the voice of the Lord. He wasn't in charge of the nation of Israel. God would raise up judges, but they weren't in charge of the nation of Israel. And the people who had new ideas, a new generation, said, you know what? We want somebody that we can see. We want somebody who can lead us in the battle." We want somebody who we can put up on a throne and worship. We want somebody who can, come on, God, we need somebody. And this is where we find in 1 Samuel chapter 8 where they, they, they demand for a king. God, give us a king like everybody else. God, give us a king like our neighbors. God, give us somebody that we can look to. God, give us somebody. God, let us, let us walk by sight, not by faith. God, let us, come on, let us, we want to see, God. So give us. And this is what they asked Samuel. They said, give us a king. And what does God allow? For them to have a king. And what was his name? Saul. I know I'm kind of giving you a little, little context to what's going on here. And so we have now this man by the name of Saul. Now, and I want you to understand something. It wasn't that Israel, you know, asking for a king made God disappointed or upset. It was that Israel demanded for a king now. Because God had a king for Israel. God, God's plan was to always appoint a king over Israel. But they wanted somebody now. And so who did God give them? Saul. But was Saul supposed to be the king over Israel? Was Saul the one that God had planned for Israel? No. God had somebody else in mind. The people wanted Saul, so God gave him Saul. But I want to tell you this this morning. God was using Saul to prepare them for David. And, and how many of you know God will often give you what you want? only for you to soon realize that it wasn't what you needed. And then you'll find yourself frustrated. You'll find yourself angry. You'll find yourself walking in places that you weren't supposed to walk in, saying, God, where are you? And God said, you wanted it, so I gave it to you. And now you come to the conclusion that you should have, and you won't ever ask for anything outside of the will of God. And you will do a better job at praying. You will do a better job at fasting. You will do a better job at seeking some accountability when you start making decisions, because God might give you what you want, but it's going to come with a lot of pain. It's going to come with a lot of turmoil. Oh, you want to marry so-and-so? Go ahead and marry her and see what happens. Oh, you really want that job? Go ahead and take that job and just see what happens. I think sometimes God is just playing with us. And so we find ourselves in a position where we are in complete in need of God and only God. Because God's the only one that can turn it around, Amen. Come on, God is the only one that can turn your situation around. God is the only one that can step in and save you from the pit that you are falling deeper into. 
So God gave them what they wanted. I love this. This is what it says in Psalm 107, 14. In the desert, they gave into their craving. In the wilderness, they put God to the test. And so he gave them what they asked for, but sent a wasting disease among them. God might give you exactly what you want, but it'll come with a lot that you didn't want. They got what they wanted. They got a king. And they got a lot of turmoil with it. And they got a lot of pain with it. And they got a lot of frustration with it. And they had a lot of battles won, but they had a lot of battles lost. Until God decided it was time for a new king. A shepherd boy. The one he had in mind from the very beginning. What was his name? David. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. Let's start. It said, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? Since I have rejected him as king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem because I have chosen one of his sons to be king. The people chose Saul, but God is choosing David. And how many know that God will never allow his work to die with the death of a man or the failure of a man? God's work goes way beyond man. You may be thinking, God, it's not going to finish because so-and-so is not here anymore. God said, I didn't need so-and-so. I got somebody else. In fact, I didn't need any of you. I can do this. But here we are. God is allowing to use us. And, and if he decides that he no longer wants to use us, that does not mean that what he wanted to do is not going to come to completion. That just means he's going with somebody else. And we've got to be okay with that. God's work is never going to be finalized just because the death of a man or the failure of a man. And Saul here was a failure. It says that, that, that God rejected Saul. He said, I'm no longer going to use Saul. I'm no longer going to be in Saul. In fact, my spirit, is, my spirit is departing from Saul. But look at verse 2. Samuel says, well, how can I go? Because, um, because Saul is still king. You know, he, he's still the CEO, but you're, you're telling me to go find a new CEO? If they find out, if you want me to appoint somebody else while we currently have somebody in that position, um, you know what they're going to do to me. And this is what Samuel says. He says, if Saul hears about it, he's going to kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. I love that. He's like, hey, go on and take a cow. Just, just watch. I'm a, and this is what I love because sometimes God is so unique and God, God isn't ordinary that he tells us to do things that are so um, not ordinary because he is wanting to do something extraordinary. And so God says, just take a cow and go sacrifice it and just watch what I begin to do. But Samuel's like, but, but he's going to kill me. He's, he's going he's, he's to kill me, but go to the house. And tell, tell them that I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one that I indicate. Despite how you feel about Saul, Samuel, I need you to go rise up and anoint a new king. Despite what you think he's going to do to you, my plan has to happen. And I'm going to use you to do it. And if I don't use you, I'm going to use somebody else to do it. So Samuel, arise, it is time. Saul was the, the people's king, but David here is God's king. He's the one that God has assigned. He's the one that God has chosen. But Samuel, I just need, Samuel, I have an assignment for you. And if I could just stop here for a moment. Because Samuel here is given an assignment by God to go anoint the next king. Now I want to be clear, there's a difference between the assignment that God may have, have placed on your life and the call that God has placed on your life. Samuel was called to be a prophet. But here in this moment, we find Samuel given an assignment. Now, the call of God on your life will not change. 
but your assignment might change. You might find yourself walking in a new assignment, but the call that God has placed in your life has not changed. But God, you, you called me to serve here, but now you have me going elsewhere? Well, I always called you to serve. I'm just, I'm just changing the direction of where you're serving at. But God, you've given me passions for this. That's fine. I'm going to redirect that passion. You still got the call. You still got the passion, but the assignment has now changed. But God, I've given my life to this, this state. I've given my life to this school. I've given my life to this, to this neighborhood. And God said, well, you're going to keep giving it. You're just going to give it somewhere, somewhere else. The call hasn't changed, but the assignment has changed. It's like God has called us to be parents. Not parent of one or two, but now of three. But God, you only called me to parent one. No, God said, I called you to be a parent. I said to be fruitful and multiply. Last I heard, multiplication was more than one. So here I am now trying to have a little bit more. And maybe more, who knows? <laughs> if my wife allows, who knows? But I'm just saying the, the, the call will be the same. But the assignment may change. And, and if you want to know if you're walking in the call of God? Try and go back to the assignments that he's given you. And have you been obedient to the assignments? Or have you been walking away from, that ain't of God. He don't want me to do that. I'm here looking nice. He don't want me to get dirty. I'm out here under the AC. He don't want me to go outside. I'm out here, you know, running to church. He doesn't want me to wash any cars. Come on. That is not my job. No, you were called to be a pastor and a shepherd. You washing cars is shepherding people. You filling up airs and tires is shepherding people. It just looks a little bit different. It's a different assignment. You have an assignment to preach, but you may have an assignment to fill up some tires. So the assignment, so if you want to know if you're walking in what God has called you to do, and, and I want to be clear again because I think we hear this word calling and we assume it's really only for people who preach, who sing, who do ministry, who do missions. Man, we are going to get just as excited as somebody who is called into missions as somebody who is called to be a plumber. Come on, VLC. We're going to get just as excited as somebody who's called to be a teacher. We're going to get just as excited as somebody who's called to be a lawyer, who's called to be a doctor. That is what God has called you to do. God hasn't called you to abandon that. God called me to preach. I'm going to quit my job, and I'm going to start serving the Lord, and I'm going to show up to church every day and start preaching the word of God. Meanwhile, you're supposed to pay for your, for, for your family. You've got rent. You've got a mortgage. What are you doing? God called you to be a doctor. God may have given you assignment now to preach. That doesn't mean where you preach has to be here. It could be there. I think the greatest thing that we can do is to say, God, wherever you send me, I'm just saying what my dad always says now. Wherever I go, whatever I do, whoever I talk to, I'm going to preach the word of God. It doesn't matter if I'm shoveling the cow manure. That would be disgusting. But if I was shoveling cow manure, I'd preach the gospel as well. This is just, this is just a little prettier here in church. But out there. So God may tell you, I have a new assignment for you. But the call in your life will be the same. Samuel, I need you to go because I have chosen. Somebody say chosen. How many believe you've been chosen by God? Come on, how many believe you've been chosen by God? You have been set apart. I thank God that I'm chosen. I thank God that I have been redeemed. I thank God that I have been set apart. I thank God for that. In fact, let me read this to you in Ephesians chapter 1. It says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in order with his pleasure and his will. He has chosen you. He has set you apart. He has put a calling on your life. You weren't called by an individual. You weren't called by a corporation. You weren't called because it was by luck or by chance. You're calling in here. Let me give you three things. Number one, your calling is from God. Your calling is from God. 
John 15, 16 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you, Jesus said. And I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. I have been chosen by God. Now, despite what other people may say, oh, you weren't chosen by God. You just, you just got lucky. Oh, you weren't chosen by God. You just, you just had more favor than somebody else. You weren't chosen by God. It was just coincidence that you, you appeared where you appeared. What you're doing was, it was just inherited. Can I tell you that if the call that God has placed on my life was inherited, then I'd probably be limited. If the call that God has placed on my life was just by luck, then it probably isn't going to last. If what God has called me to do was by coincidence, then I probably would not be as passionate. But the call that God has placed on my life is from God and only God, and nobody's going to tell me otherwise. What God has called you to do is from God, and it isn't from anybody else. It isn't by luck. It isn't by chance. It isn't by coincidence. It isn't because you just simply inherited it. If it was inherited and it wasn't a call from God, it wasn't, it's not going to last. I promise you. You're going to step into something else. What God has called you to do, you will begin to do, and nobody is going to stop it. No devil is going to come in my way. No weapon for me against me shall prosper because I have got God, and there is an anointing on my life that is greater Come on, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And so nothing's going to stop what God has called me to do. My assignments might change. I may fail at my assignments. But just because I'm not walking in my calling doesn't mean that God is changing what my call is. Just because it's been 20 years since God called me to do something and I have not yet done it doesn't mean that that calling is vanishing. That just means it's not ready to step into it. That just means that God hasn't, God hasn't opened. Listen. You're not walking through any doors that God hasn't opened yet. And right now in this moment, I realize that one, God has, God has called me, God has chosen me, and I'm not going to fight any battle because somebody else is telling me otherwise. God has called me, God has chosen me, but won't Saul be mad? God, you know what my mom is going to say? <laughs> if you're calling me to drop out of school... Listen, there, I think there are a few people that God may call to drop out of school, but I don't think he calls everybody to drop out of school. Amen, parents? <laughs> Maybe he is calling you to drop out of school. But if God is calling me to do it, then no matter, I have to be willing to say, no matter who's opposed to it, I've got to step into it. Just do it, Samuel. Look at verse 6. Samuel goes to Jesse's house. He's got the horn of oil, and he's going to anoint one of Jesse's sons, and here one of Jesse's sons comes. When they arrive in verse 6, Samuel saw Eliab. And he thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands before the Lord. Surely this man is it. Wow. I mean, you ever see somebody and think, man, I wish I could look like them. Man, I wish I was just as tall as them. Man, I wish I was as pretty as them. That's not fair, God. And then I tell people, you know, God made them real quick. God is still making you, and he is making you and making you and molding you, and you got some more time, all right? You got some more, amen. When they're 80, they're going to look way different than when you look like when you're 80, okay? Amen. Let's go. I, I believe in that. But I, but, I, but, but I see Iliad, Samuel says, and surely this man must be the one that God has anointed. And Samuel, like many of us, we seem to have a preference just by what I see. Just by what I see, 
This, is, this has told me by what I see that this is the person, that, that this is the man. Eliab had the stature. Eliab had the looks. He fit the image that Samuel and every other person had in mind for who the king should be. But God stopped Samuel. He says, Samuel, I don't need you to anoint that person. They're not ready. Samuel, I don't need you to anoint that person just because he, he looks like it. Just because he seems like he's ready. Just because he looks like marriage material. Because we are so fooled by what we see. Because we do a really good job at allowing what we see to dictate what we believe rather than what we know and hear to dictate what we believe. Just by what I see, they, 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 they look ready, God. They, they got it all going on. Their marriage material, they're qualified for the job. They got the resume that fits the job description. I don't need you to do it, Samuel. Don't anoint him because he's, he, he's not it. He's not ready. It's not Eliab. You are not choosing today, Samuel. And I just, I just wonder how many people that we have chosen that God has not chosen. I wonder how many friends we've allowed in our life, in our circle, that God has said, I didn't ask you to bring those people into your circle. I wonder what kind of places we've gone to, what kind of groups that we found ourselves in that we have decided based upon what we see. But how, how many of you know that God sees differently? Come on, God sees differently. And here's where we get this famous passage in verse 7 of 1 Samuel 16. The Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the hearts. If you're taking notes, let me give you the second one. Your calling isn't based upon your appearance. Your calling isn't based upon your appearance. Samuel was operating by sight. He was not operating by faith. But God, he, he must be it because he's, he's got it all going on. It looks like he, he's fit for this. It looks like he's been doing this for a while. Man, if I were to be what I was doing for a while, I'd be in the NBA by now because I was playing a lot of basketball when I was little. And then when I got to like fifth grade, I stopped growing. And I realized then and there that basketball wasn't for me. But this, that's what I wanted to do. I, I thought I was fit for it. I thought I was ready for it. But God had other plans for me, and it wanted to be there. And I'm okay with that. But we've got to know that, man, we do such a great job of looking at the outward appearance. And God is saying, I'm no longer looking at the outward appearance. I'm looking at the heart. Is the heart ready? Is the heart pure? Does the heart have good intentions? Just because you've been doing it doesn't mean that God has called you to do it. And doesn't mean that God is going to continue to do it. Just because you're dressed for that job doesn't mean that you're going to get the job. Just because you're saying, God, I have been preparing my heart and I am marriage material right now. God says, you're not getting married right now. you got some more time because the person you're going to marry has got a lot more time, okay? And you don't want to jump into something right now that they're not ready. You may be ready, but they're not ready. And Scripture says something about being unequally yoked, I think, where if I'm ready and they're not ready, you're not going to be ready. And so now I change my prayers of saying, God, I, I think I'm ready. Would you help them get ready? Now I stop praying for myself and I stop praying for somebody else. I mean, come on. Some of you aren't fasting over your future spouse and you should be. Some of you aren't praying as hard enough for that future spouse and you should be. You're saying, God, prepare me, prepare me. And somebody else has to be prepared as well. And maybe you might be fighting and praying on their behalf. I don't know. I'm just saying. We do such a good job of saying, God, I am. Outwardly, I, I've got it going on. But inwardly, we're a mess. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, what you're passionate about and what you think God has called you to do isn't where you'll be. 
I just think God is saying there's a lot that needs to happen. How many would you agree with me? There's a lot that needs to happen in your heart. There's, there's a lot. I, I, I know, God, the doors that you want me to go through, but I don't think I'm going to last if I go through them now. God, I know I, I'm desperately wanting this relationship, but it takes a lot of maturity to say, God, I don't think I'm ready for that now. And God is saying, good, because you're not. I'm glad that you see that because I know that. And so I've got, I've got doors open for you, but you can't walk through them until you are, until you are until your heart's ready. I don't have to be completely ready, right? God isn't waiting for you to get set. God isn't waiting for you to get all your I's dotted and your T's crossed. He's not waiting for that. If he's waiting for that, you're never going to be ready. But God is saying your heart has got to be ready. Your heart has got to be pure. How do I prepare my heart? Man, God, would you just search me as David said? Call, call out anything that doesn't need to be there. God, I want to be pure. I want to be a great example. I want everything that I do Everything that I think, everything that goes on in here, God, I want it to be glorifying to you. So you ask him, God, prepare, prepare my heart. Some of us, we, we, uh, we spend two hours getting ready for church, but we haven't taken two minutes to pray and say, God, what do you have for me today? We spend an hour getting ready for work every day, and we haven't taken a minute to say, God, what do you have for me today? What do you want me to do? We're, we're, we, are preparing our, we are preparing our appearance, but we have been neglecting our heart. And God says, I am way more concerned about the heart. Some of you need to do a better job at preparing the heart. But some of you need to do a better job of stop making excuses that you don't look the part and understand and walk in some confidence that God has already set you apart. And if there's an open door, you've got to have some faith and walk through it. You're waiting for God to use somebody else. And so maybe, you, maybe, you, maybe God is saying you are ready, but you're making way too many excuses. I just need you to walk. I just need you to start going. I've got a door that is open, and you're waiting for somebody else to walk through it, but I have appointed and I have assigned you. So start walking and start believing. One writer put it this way, the world is full of idolatries, but I question if any idolatry has been more extensively practiced than the, out, than, than the idolatry of the outward appearance. So look at verse 10, because it just keeps going, but, but I think Samuel gets something here, because he, he knows he's got to appoint one of, uh, of Jesse's sons. But he sees the first one, Eliab, and, well, well, he's not it, and this may not be on the screen, but let me read, let me read verse, uh, uh, verse 8, and then I'll get to verse 10. So then Jesse calls um, Abinadab, and he passed in front of Samuel, but Samuel said, the Lord's not chosen him either. Then Jesse had Shammah pass by, and Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons, so it seemed like Samuel was getting something. Right at first, he was like outward appearance only, but now something begins to change. You see, the more I become more in tune with the Spirit of God, the more I start making decisions based on the Spirit of God. And so now I can see, not how I see, but how God sees. I thought Eliab was the one, but God, now that you have told me so, now I know he's not the one either, and I know he's not the one either. And now I start making decisions based off the Spirit of God because I had been more in tune to the Spirit of God. It's, it's already happening. It happened to Samuel with Eliab. Now it's happening again. And so one son passes by. That's not it. Another son passes by. Could you imagine just being Jesse? What about this one? What about this one? You know, you're like, come on, shape up. What about this one? None of my sons, God sent a prophet to anoint one of my sons, and, and neither of these are it. And uh, so Jesse, he says, on the outward, my, my sons are, are good. On the outward, the appearance, my sons are solid. 
But Samuel is saying, but now God is looking at the heart. And it, and it wasn't necessarily that the, the sons of Jesse were evil men. They just weren't God's choice. Outwardly, they had it going on, but inwardly, the, their hearts weren't pure. In fact, it says that God rejected Iliab. So it wasn't that they were evil, just God didn't choose them. Outwardly, they had it going on, but inwardly, they, they, they were, there was so much more. And can I just sidebar? I know I'm hitting this a lot, but can I sidebar this for a moment and say that I think we put a greater emphasis on resumes than we do character. I think we, do a, we put a greater emphasis on past experience than we do integrity. And what you're going to find, you know, past experience is great. And you may say, you know, they, they got it going on and, and they've been doing it for a while. But, but what you're going to find out is if they don't have any character, if they don't have any integrity, you're going to be a business owner. And if you hire based on experience and rather than also character, you're going to find yourself having to let go of a lot of experienced top performers because the integrity of your business is declining. Because you haven't taken the time or the moment to seek a little bit deeper. Again, i got, I got to seek a little bit deeper into somebody's heart. What, what's really going on? Because on the outward, it looks good. I want to hire you because you're just super charismatic. Because you're super hyped up, fired up. you got a lot of joy. But there is a lot of depression going on internally that you don't see at the surface. That's why we have to rely on a God who lets us see things beneath the surface. And so if you're hiring people, you're looking... They see who you're going to be with next or seeing who you're going to marry or see who you're going to add to your friend group. Say, God, would you, would you help me see beneath the surface? Because I would hate to appoint somebody who is going to stand next to me or appoint somebody who is going to represent my company and for them to be a failure at home, for them to, for them to have poor character, for them to have poor integrity. And now you suffer because of what you've allowed in. And so we have to do a better job of saying, God, allow me to see Deeper. I don't want to see just by what I can see, but I want to see what you see. And Samuel seems to be getting it because he's like, not you, not you, not you, not you, not you. And then he asks a question because he's like, God, um, you sent me here and here's all of his sons, but um, neither are, uh, are, are these sons it. And so he says to Jesse, are these all the sons that you have? And Jesse says, there is still the youngest. Come on, who, who's the youngest in the family here? Come on, we got any of the, the, the youngest? Usually you are, you, you are supposed to be the favorite, right? But in this case, clearly he wasn't. In fact, notice that Jesse doesn't even give him a name. He just says, my youngest. He doesn't even mention his name. And, and to be honest, Samuel, uh, David, he's not going to amount to much. He's not going to be the guy you're looking for. He, he, he won't be it, trust me. The seven you have here are great. But the one that I have tending sheep out in the pasture, he's not it. And Samuel says, look at verse 11. It continues on by saying, send for him, for we will not sit down until he arrives. The unlikely candidate, the youngest of his brothers, the one who didn't have the, the appearance we're going to find. Oh, but he was, I thank God. That he didn't look at my appearance. I thank God that he didn't look at all that I bring to the table. I thank God that he looks right at my heart. And there was one of the eight. Got it. 
And Samuel says, send for him, for we will not sit till he arrives. Verse 12. And so he sent for him and had brought, brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance. I love that. He's fine in appearance, you know. He wasn't like fine. He was just had a fine appearance. And he had some handsome features. You know, he, he, didn't, he wasn't handsome, but he had handsome features. That's another way of saying, you ain't all that special, okay? Right? You don't look like your brothers. You, you know, you don't, you don't, you're not tall as, you know, your brothers. Um, but you got, some, you got some handsome features. And then the Lord said, rise and anoint him, for this is the one. And so Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. And Samuel then went to Ramah. It was like a rush of wind. The empowerment, the endowment came on David's life. And God would empower him to do the things that God has called him to do. Samuel, right, or, uh, David right there was, was anointed to be king over Israel. And, the, and, and guess what? We read the next verse. It says that Saul resigned and, and David became king the next day. No, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about the, the waiting season next week. We're going to get to that because it doesn't happen the next day. And some of you think that what God has called you to do, God has immediately called you to do. And that is not the case. What God has immediately caused you to do is to start preparing and getting ready for what he has called you to do. But it may not happen tomorrow. But David is anointed king. It was like... Out of all of his brothers, could you imagine? You're picked out of all your siblings. God chose you. I would, man, I would. It doesn't say much about David, you know, boasting that, but I would have immediately been like, <laughs> I know you're all taller and cooler than me, and you guys have neglected me for so long, but God chose me. That's not David's heart. Because if that was David's heart, then he might not have been picked. But David had a heart where he was already working. David had a heart where he was already doing what he was called. David already had it. He was already, we're going to talk more about what he was already doing. But he didn't have the appearance. He didn't have it all, all going on outwardly like many would have assumed. I just wonder if Samuel, as he saw David in, he said, oh, God, not this man, Lord, please. Not this one, please, God. Pick the other one, please. Is there another son, an adopted son, a stepson? Is there a spiritual son, you know? Come on, is there somebody else? Some translations say he was the runt of the family. But God said, arise and anoint that man to be the king over Israel. Man, out of all the brothers, he won the tallest, he won the biggest, he wasn't even well thought of in his family circle. And I just wonder how many of that, that that's you today. That's your story. Man, God can't use me because nobody even likes me. Man, God can't use me because I'm doing things that nobody else sees. Man, God can't use me because I haven't been saved for a long time. God can't use me because I've never had a father. God can't use me because I don't have kids or I got too many kids. God can't use me. I'm too old or I'm too young. And I'm so thankful that God doesn't look at all those things. And God looks past our excuses. And he says, I called you, therefore I will use you. It didn't matter what you think you don't have. It didn't matter all the fear you think you're stepping into. God, you can't use me. I didn't grow up in church. I don't know this thing. Oh, you're going to be preaching this thing very soon. You just, you just get ready. And intellectually, you may not be there. In fact, in your family circle, you may not be as respected. At your job, you may, you may be despised for what you believe. 
But I'm here today to tell you that God specializes in loving those who have been rejected by men. Come on, God specializes in loving those who the world doesn't love, who the world kicks out and throws out. God uses those people. Man, I thank God he uses those people. In fact, David even said in Psalm 2710, though my father and mother have forsaken me, the Lord will receive me. How many are you thankful that God has received you today? Come on, that God has appointed you today. God is anointed. He has, a, he has a specific call in your life. And, and here's what I know, and I'll finish with this. This is the third thing. If God has called you, then he will equip you. If God has called you, then he's going to equip you. He's going to give you the things that you need. He's going to give you the abilities that you need. He's going to give you the giftings that you need. But God, I can't speak. God, Moses, I'm going to send you your brother Aaron. But God, I don't have an army. Oh, I'm going I'm to send you an army. God, I don't have any wisdom. Oh, I'm going I'm to send you some wisdom, Solomon. Come on. I'm gonna, God, I don't have the resources. Oh, I'm going to send you the resources. God, I don't have the finances. Oh, I'm going to send you the finances. You just, you just wait and watch what I'll do. Because who I've called, I will equip. Who I've called, I will give the things that they need to accomplish my perfect will. His perfect will. Let me read you two scriptures. This is 2 Peter 1.3. His divine power has given us everything that we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. The, the author of Hebrews concludes his letter in Hebrews 13 verse 20 by saying, Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you. Come on, equip you with everything good for doing, oh, the things that I always wanted to do. Oh, the things that I always wanted to see. Oh, the, the people I always wanted to reach. No, God isn't going to give you things so you can do things for yourself. God is going to give you things so you can do things for him. God is going to equip you with the things that you can do only because of what he has given you. And so I'm going to, it says, and may he, may he work in us. Put that, put that passage back up in Hebrews chapter 3. May he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Come on. Man, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what you got going on, and I sure don't know how many excuses that you may have made, but you may be here today, and you can say like I can say, man, I may not have it all, God, but if he has called me, he is going to give me everything that I need. Amen. I may not have it all. Don't worry. He's going to give you exactly what you need. I may be the least, but I've been called. I may be the smallest, but I've been called. I may be the shortest, but I've been called. I may be the ugliest, but I've been called. I may not have all the money, but I have been called. I may not have all the giftings, but I've been called. I may not even have it together at home, but God has called you. He has appointed you. He has a specific task for you. And church, he will give you everything that you need to do what he's called you to do. Amen. Come on, would you stand to your feet all across this room? Come on, he'll give you what you need. What is it you need today? What is it you need? You know what it is. God knows what it is. But have you allowed fear to dictate what you ask for? Have you allowed fear to dictate where you go? Have you allowed the fear of somebody named Saul killing you? Somebody at your job making fun of you. Somebody at your home kicking you out. Have you allowed fear to creep in and get a hold of the assignments and the calling that God has for your life? Because today, maybe we shout, no longer, God. 
No longer, God, will I allow the enemy to have a hold on me. No longer will I be enslaved to fear. No longer will I, will I be um, not able to do the things that you've called me to do. So God, would you rid, rid the enemy from me? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So God, no longer, come on, no longer. How many of you wanna, wanna start walking in the calling that God has given you? Come on, how many wanna do a better job as a, as a fresh out point of the spirit, which by the way, isn't anything new. It isn't newly created. It's already something that's established in here. It's just now you have a better understanding of it. So God, give us a fresh outpouring of your spirit. Come on, God, give us, come on, would you just ask him today, God, Lord, give me everything that I need, but only the things that I need, not the things that I want. Come on, no longer will I walk in fear. No longer will I be enslaved to what people think. God, if you've called me, not only are you gonna equip me, but you're going to see it come to fruition, God. Come on. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way. Everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.